You're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hey there, true crime fans. Are you looking for a podcast that combines your love of crime stories with a good laugh? Look no further than the ODFM podcast. ODFM is the podcast that brings you true crime and comedy in a way you've never heard before. It's hosted by the dynamic duo of Kelly DeVries and Jenna Swanson, the kinds of friends who make inappropriate jokes and laugh at times they probably shouldn't. Kelly and Jenna take you on a wild ride with their unique blend of humor and gripping storytelling. From bizarre murders to unsolved mysteries, they delve deep into the darkest corners of the criminal underworld all while keeping it light with their quick wit and relatable banter. With each episode, Kelly and Jenna bring something new and exciting to the table. No case is too small, too strange, or too scary for them to handle. So, what are you waiting for? Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts and join the ODFM community. ODFM, where true crime meets comedy and the laughs are killer. Hi, this is Janiel from the Keystone Cold Cases podcast. Before we get into this next episode, I want to tell you a few things. First, I want to let you all know about our Patreon, which launched February 1st. On our Patreon, we will be releasing bonus episodes and exclusive content. Our first episode is up right now, and a preview is up on our podcast platform. We will be sending a KCC sticker to you when you sign up, and giving a Patreon shout out as a thank you. We'll also be sending birthday cards as a token of appreciation for joining the Patreon. We also will be sending quarterly gifts to you for your dedication and support to us, as well as doing a quarterly Zoom hangout slash ask me anything session for you to get to know all of us better. We will definitely have more surprises to come so you don't want to miss out. Second, Today's episode looks a little different than what we usually do. We covered a case on August 12, 2021, of the missing and murdered victim, Cherie McGarrow, episode 26 to be exact. What you're getting ready to listen to is an interview with her son, Tony, and her sister, Vicki. They share stories of Cherie as a child growing up, what she was into as a young adult, sweet memories they have of her, the tragedy that struck their family, and some information that may or may not have been made to the public. I want to personally thank Tony and Vicki for giving their time to speak to me. Rehashing a tragedy of this kind can be immensely tough, and they were absolutely wonderful to talk to. Again, if you have any information, no matter how small the detail, please contact the Maryland State Police at 301-398-8101. Remember, you can always remain anonymous. So, without further ado, I bring you the interview regarding the missing and murdered Cherie McGarrow. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna actually start from like, you know, I wanted. We really want. She, she's a, she is a person. She's a loved person, and it, I don't think it's fair to just talk about an event it you know people should know who this person was you know what made them special you know all of the you know everything they've been through in their life lives you know so 
I kind of wanted to start off like, you know, if you know of anything, um, like what was her childhood like? Uh, what was she involved in with school? I mean, do you know any of her friends? Uh, I've only met one of her close friends, and that was a few years ago. Uh, who she said she was, uh, she worked with her at, at JC Penny at the time. Um, and she was with her the evening she met my father. Wow. Yeah. So that was interesting, <laughs> but I haven't talked to her for, for quite a while. Yeah. So I'm assuming she was, your mom was born in Pennsylvania? Yes, in Lebanon. Okay. Okay, cool. When she, graduated high school do you know you know what she did after that did she because i know she worked for the lottery business was that right after high school uh no i don't think so i think like i said she was working at jc penny so she did some retail uh right. stuff like that um i'm not sure how she got into the lottery i don't i don't know that story okay um, i just know she was like a secretary for an executive with uh, the PA lottery. And I think that's how she ended up meeting Frank Brown. Cause he was some kind of executive for the Delaware lottery. Right. And I, they collaborated to what extent, I don't know, but yeah. Right. Oh, I know she did a lot of art. She was very artistic. Wow. Did, did she paint? Did she draw all of it? Yeah, she did um, a lot of paintings and she did some pottery and stuff too. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. My grandfather has a bunch of stuff. He's, trying to give to me now he's going to be 90 this this february so he's trying to disperse dispense of all that stuff and give it to vicky or myself that's awesome it's it's i'm in the creative field so i love that i love that she's creative because it definitely takes a special personality not everybody has that especially something like pottery i don't think i could pretend to do that well that's patience that's a lot yeah. of patience mm-hmm yeah, and you can be really patient, and then it's still, like, break in the kiln or something. Sure, yeah. Yeah, so it's surprising how much stuff she did, because I didn't even realize. You know, growing up, I've seen stuff throughout the house, but nobody really said, oh, yeah, your mom made this, or your mom made that. A handful of things, but I didn't realize how much stuff they had that she made. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Does she have any other hobbies that you know of? Not that I, not that I know of, no. Okay. I guess I want to ask also, we just talked about it. Um, do you know when and where your parents met? I know it was some kind of club or bar in Harrisburg. Uh, it was a nightlife. Um, and it's funny because that's not my dad's style. <laughs> so I don't know what he was doing out there. I, I don't know if I talked to him about that. I'm sure I did. I just don't remember. Um, but Joni said that she saw my dad and she was she was really attracted to him. <laughs> Yeah, so she's like, I'm going to get with this guy tonight. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so, uh, but that's that's about the extent I know of that, yeah. How old were they? Oh, boy. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Like their uh, 20s? Younger? Yeah, older? My mom, yeah, I want to say it was probably, yeah, late. My mom would have been in her late 20s, yeah. Is there an age difference between them? Yeah, my father is a little older. Oh, okay. I don't know how many year difference now that I think about it. I never really thought of it, but a handful of years. Nothing. Okay. Yeah. Nothing crazy. Yeah. Um, how long were they together before they got married? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it was too long because 
uh, once she got pregnant, then they got engaged and they got married. Uh, and I got a bunch of pictures from um, the ceremony was actually at my grandparents' house, her mother's in Mount Gretna. Okay. So I, a bunch of pictures of of them and Vicky was in there and <laughs> uh, my dad's side stuff. So it's pretty cool to see that. And that's something I just discovered maybe a year ago. I didn't know they had all those photos. Oh, wow. That's cool. So do you have, um, do you have any memories of your mom and your dad together? Funny enough, no, not really, not together. I have um, some memories of her. Sorry. Don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. Um, I have uh, memories of some things. Um, they lived in a single wide trailer. I remember the layout of the trailer. I remember some of the furniture. I remember she was wrapping a present and she had me put my finger down so she could tie the bow. I remember a lot of stuff from there, but I can't picture her. You sound like wonderful memories. It's just, it's, it's sad for me to remember those things and not her face. So not enough memories. Yeah. How long were your parents together, I guess, before they decided, you know, it wasn't going to work out between the two of them? Well, I, I don't think it was very long, a year or two, something like that. Okay. Uh, yeah, my father had his uh, Harley Davidson shop, which he spent majority of his time there. Um, and I know she wasn't happy about that, from what I was told. Uh, she wanted more attention. And uh, he was just, that, that. I mean, that's his passion, is is working on Harleys and, and, and racing. So, Does he still do that? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so he's he's in his mid seventies now, but he's still he's still building uh, um, engines and stuff, and he still goes and drag races and yeah, <laughs> raises some hell. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I asked myself, awesome. well, when are you gonna when are you gonna retire? Quit doing that. And he said, I don't know why I would. This is what I would do. <laughs> it's good to so. do what you love. That's awesome. <laughs> that uh, yeah, he's blessed there he, uh, to have. Uh, something that you're really passionate about that you enjoy doing every day mm -hmm. and get paid to do it. Yeah. 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 You know, not everyone gets that fortunate, so that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Boy, does he have some stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of stories, yeah. When your parents, when they weren't together anymore, did you live with your mom more? Or, like, what was, what did that look like? Uh, yeah, I was with my mother. Yeah, yeah. Um, Again, because my father was just so busy at the shop, mm -hmm. she took care of me and and uh, and her parents, my grandparents. Yeah. Now, did she move in with her parents when they uh, separated? No, I think she stayed uh, in the the trailer that they had, the okay. trailer park uh, on Mushroom Hill uh, in Harrisburg. I think she was. Yeah, so she was still living there. My dad got his own apartment. Okay. Yeah. How long after did, um, do you know what the meeting was like with Frank? I mean, how long after was from your dad and her separating to her meeting Frank? I, I couldn't tell you what, if there was any overlap or not. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't really know. I remember going down to his, his house. I remember traveling down there with her. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember interacting with him uh and and the property did he live alone from what i recall yeah 
Yeah. Do you remember when you were around him, you know, was it fun? Was it like, how did you feel when you were around him? I don't really remember it either way. It feels just kind of neutral from right. what I remember. Um, I remember one time it, it just you know, playing around, but he had this garage and it was kind of like in his home, there was kind of like a rancher, but then there was a basement where the garage was. And I remember going down there and it was kind of creepy to me as a kid. And there was this door and I said, what's in there? And he said, the boogeyman, you know, it's kind of, kind of scared me. <laughs> right upstairs. Remember my mom gave me out for that. <laughs> Don't scare me. You know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, I remember Yeah, he had a little kid pool and stuff he put out there for me and stuff. So it was always, I don't have any bad memories or anything particularly positive either. So it's kind of. Right. Yeah. Do you know where they met? I imagine at her work. Okay. Yeah. Because they both did the lottery. Yes. Right. Okay. That was the one thing they had in common. Yeah. Do you know if, because I'm not sure how this works. I don't know if you would know how this works, but they both worked for lottery companies and I can imagine the rules and regulations are pretty strict. Was there ever like a conflict because they were dating and also working for separate lottery companies? I don't know. I wondered that myself because I think, I don't know if the, if either of them worked directly, I think they worked for another company that worked in tandem with the lottery or something, but I don't know. I know my dad was saying she brought home some paperwork or a book. I think I've mentioned this to you before, but he said, Oh, I, I remember coming home and sitting down and seeing this book on the side table or whatever. And he said, I started flipping through it. Boy, he said, she came over and took it out of my hands. Hey, you don't look at that. I'm not even supposed to have that out of the office. He said, I don't know what it was. <laughs> you know, I don't remember anymore what he right. saw in there. But he said, I just thought that was kind of odd. Like, why did she have this stuff at home? She's not supposed to have it out of the office. Uh, you know, my, my uh, close friend of mine uh, speculated that perhaps there was some kind of, um, maybe there was some kind of collusion between lotteries or something, or I, I don't know, maybe she stumbled upon something. Right. Yeah. So at this point, you know, how are you going to know? You yeah. Know? Right. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. How was the relationship between Frank and your mom? I mean, did she seem like she was in love? Do you know? Um, yeah, from what I remember. Yeah, it seemed, uh, from what I can recall, it seemed good. It seemed mm -hmm. good. There was nothing in my memory that would have raised a red flag that something was, that they were unhappy. They didn't, I don't remember them fighting at all. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Did your family approve of him? Did everyone like him at the time? Yeah, my, my mom's parents, yeah, they, they liked him. And I know um, shortly after all that happened, uh, I know law enforcement suspected my father for a while. And during that time, he would come up and visit them at their house in Mount Gretna. And I remember being there and him visiting and stuff like that. And, but I remember somebody, somebody told me that law enforcement wasn't even aware that he was coming up there and visiting. And once they found out, they said, stop, stop talking. Don't because <laughs> he's just kind of you know, fishing for information, you know, what's going on and what's, you know. Stuff like that. Uh, okay. Around. Yeah. And at some point that went sour. I don't know what the catalyst was for that. But yeah, my grandparents seemed to be pretty fond of him. Uh and then it was I was still young. At some point it flipped and boy, my grandma really thought he was he was the the one who did it. 
before before your mother passed, had he come to visit you guys up here or did your mom always go? Yeah, from what I remember, it was always going down to him. I don't remember him ever coming up here. Okay. Do you remember hearing anything about um, the proposal and proposing to your mom or what that story was like? Uh, again, from what my grandmother told me <laughs> that, yeah, they were having a party. It was an engagement party. That's what I remember my grandmother telling me. They were having some kind of engagement party, a surprise engagement party or something like that. And uh, what she told me, again, was that, that they had some kind of fight or falling out or whatever it was, and she wanted to come home. She speculated on different reasons, but I don't know. I know. I read about it, and I just I was kind of, I mean, I, everyone's different. I would have just assumed, like, if he's proposing to your mom, he would want to invite all of you to be a part of that if he was having, you know, a party. True. But that's just... That's just that could also just be woman thinking. I mean, I would always, you know, I'd want all my family around, but you know. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I couldn't tell you. So I know like she would go to visit and it, what I read could be true, could not be true. She would normally come home the morning of a work shift instead of the night before. Do you know? I don't know what her work schedule was like. I don't, yeah, I don't So it would be normal for her to wait till last minute to come home. Does she normally just come home and go to work and then. I couldn't tell you. Okay. Do you remember the last time you had a conversation with her or saw her? Boy, I couldn't. I I couldn't tell you the last interaction with her. I don't remember. Okay. Yeah. You were so um, young, so you know that. Yeah. Yeah, and I saw. I remember. Yeah, I uh, saw a psychologist and stuff. My grandparents took me to a psychologist at the time and stuff. And. When I was older, I remember my grandma saying something about, you know, well, this, this, they did say that you you must have suppressed memories or something. Right. Which is totally, totally normal. No, was it like her to go up there by herself or did you normally go with her? From what I remember, I went with her a lot of the times. Okay. So I'm, I'm sure there was, I'm sure there was, uh, you know, times where she went alone. But from what I remember, I was, I was with her a lot. Okay. Yeah, like I remember stopping at a roadside convenience store and she would always buy me these little cookies that I liked. And Oh, <laughs> oh that's cute. I like that. So um, I'm getting ready to get into some questions about the event. Um, are you prepared to talk about that or? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Excuse me if I get upset. I'm no, no, don't be sorry. And if at any point you want to stop or take a break, just let us know. Yeah. We're happy to take a break also. So I read that there was like a huge snowstorm and that's why she was coming home in a hurry. And I guess she would normally just wait or whatever, but wanted to beat a snowstorm. Yeah. Uh, that's, again, there's a, there's a lot of different stuff that, uh, again, most, most of this was through my, my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there there was conflicting stories. One it was because she was trying to beat the snowstorm, and the other one was because they had some kind of falling out, and she didn't want to hang around. So I don't know if it was a combination of the two. I don't know if, or I don't know if they were tr- if they didn't want to release certain information. I don't know. So the information you got about them having a falling out that came from your grandmother. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. They, they don't talk about that much in um, any of the articles or anything that I read. It was always about this big snowstorm coming and she just wanted to beat it. So yeah. um, 
you know, I know that it says that your grandmother wanted her to stay. I guess is that true? I I think so because she wouldn't want her to put she wouldn't want her to put herself in any danger. And again, from what I understand, my mother was a very rational person, uh, so she wouldn't do anything that was risky and not understand what she's. You know what I'm saying? Right. Not the severity of the risk. So. I don't know to 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 leave in a snowstorm like that and i again i don't think like i don't think she'd be at any risk of losing her job because she seemed like she was again a very rational reasonable stable person so right. i don't see why oh i was out of town and the snowstorm came and i couldn't make it to work the next day i don't see why that would be unreasonable right i don't see why she would be afraid of losing her job or any kind of pressure to get back for that so it wouldn't be like her to be so insistent that she had to leave. It would be right. you would something that yeah. she she wanted to leave. It was something she was not happy about, really. Yeah, I would I would think she had she had more motivation. In my opinion, it would take more motivation based on what my understanding of her personality, who she was. It would take a little more motivation than oh, I want to get ahead of I want to get home out of the storm right. or something. I don't. I don't know. That always kind of seemed a little funny. Right. Yeah. If she, if she was more a conservative person and didn't like to take risks, I don't know why you would leave in the middle of a snowstorm yeah. and kind of be traveling with it and get stuck in it. Uh, me, I always my intuition was there had to be more motivation than that. Most people wait because even what they predict could happen sure. it can be wrong. It could be worse. And then you just, yeah, and back then know, there was no the cell phone, so if you were you were stranded, you were stranded. You were at the mercy of somebody helping you. You know, yeah, didn't make a lot of sense to me. But so I'm assuming she called your grandmother right before she left. So I guess she, your grandmother knew that she was on her way. From what I understand, yeah. When did um did you know when your grandmother or anyone in your family uh, started to become concerned that she wasn't home or where she could be? Oh, man, that's a good question. I'd have to ask my grandfather that. I, d I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. Do you remember at all your grandmother being concerned or worried that your mom didn't come home? Or no, I couldn't even. I don't remember any details of that that day. Like, it, you know, they didn't tell me anything. I'm just a kid. Right. I'm playing and doing whatever, entertaining myself. Uh, I had no idea what was going on. Right. As you, sh you know, as it should be. Right. Um, do you know when they got, I'm assuming it would be a phone call. Maybe it was a visit. I'm not sure. It didn't say, maybe you would know. Did uh, police officers show up to your house or did they get a phone call that your mom's car was found or? Uh, yeah. From what I understand that uh, they received a phone call mm -hmm. that uh, they found her car and they believe she was a victim of foul play. Um, and for what I understand, it's my grandfather that answered the phone and it was his birthday. Oh my gosh. Oh man, that's hard. Wow. So they said that over the phone? They didn't. From what I was told, yeah, they just kind of said, you know, hey, we discovered your, your daughter's car. Um, and she's a missing person, something along those lines that they were looking for to locate her okay. or something. Yeah. Do you know what their reactions were when they got that phone call? You don't recall? Did they go 
to the scene or did they wait for more oh, information? Boy. I, I don't know. I think they, I think they just waited. I don't know. I can't be certain. I, like I said, I really have no recollection of that period, uh, uh, that those that day or that moment or anything like frantically going on or anything that stands out. I don't remember. Okay. Hey, KCC Pod listeners, have you heard of FanList? Well, you should. FanList lets us at KCC Pod to create a podcast fan page to engage with all of you in a fun and interactive way. With FanList, we can receive audio messages from our fans, whether it be for listener questions, stories, feedback, or whatever you may like. FanList makes these audio messages public, social, and fun. They teach us at KCC Pod to reward our engaged superfans by incorporating your sound bites into our show. FanList's mission is to be the number one audience engagement platform for podcasters. Their goal is to help us engage with all of you, grow their referrals, and monetize our superfans. So go check us out on FanList. Our link is fanlist.com slash kccpod. We can't wait to interact with all of you. Again, that's fanlist.com slash kccpod. Go check us out. I know they found um, numerous things like her purse and driver's license and lipstick. Mm-hmm. Um, I did read that they found a bunch of expensive jewelry in her purse. Do you know why she would be carrying? I heard that they yeah, they found jewelry in her her purse or something like that. But I, I to me for her to have expensive jewelry that doesn't make a lot of sense either. But maybe that's what she splurged on. I don't know because she didn't have a lot of money. Because I remember. Um, them saying that my my mother and father would would argue about money sometimes money was tight mm-hmm. so i don't know where she would have had extra money to buy expensive jewelry <laughs> yeah i read that i'm like but then i also said well who carries it around in their purse yeah i don't know it kind of took me back like i, I you know I, mine's locked up but you know this <laughs> is 2020 do you know much about frank's like financial position like could he have gotten it for her and oh that's possible from what i understand yeah he made you know pretty pretty decent money okay yeah so yeah i would i would think he would have been in the financial position to to buy her gifts and stuff so yeah that's a possibility okay um i did see that they also found a man's plaid shirt do you know if your mom had a plaid shirt or if Frank wore plaid shirts or, you know, anyone around her that would wear plaid. I don't know. Well, that's a good question. Well, I don't No, I don't recall wearing plaid shirts or anything like that. Um, Frank, boy, I couldn't tell you what his yeah. words were like anymore. Uh, I just remember he had a nice, he had a nice house. He had, it was always clean. Uh, mm-hmm. he, had, he had some nice dress shoes and stuff like that. I remember some of that. So all his stuff was, nicer stuff it wasn't uh too much blue collar for what i remember okay so i know you also read that there's a few witness accounts of them seeing your mom's car with hazard lights on and someone else saying that um they saw someone come up to a man come up to her car and talk to her um have you heard those accounts mm-hmm. 
Um, are there any others that maybe are not in the papers that, you know, witnesses have come forward and said something that that we don't know? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Yeah. Um, I remember hearing about, oh, well, you know, the man had brown hair and a mustache and blue eyes and and uh, he drove, he ended up figuring out the exact year of the car. Uh, unless the person passing by happened to know Mustangs in and out, I don't know how they would be able to identify the specific year. Like they would have to know the difference of the taillights or whatever they, whatever they saw that indicated it's a specific year. Right. But how how you note somebody's eye color as you're driving by in a snowstorm is beyond me. I, have, I, I talk to people all the time. I couldn't tell you the eye color of 99% of the people I see. So I don't know. And from what I understand, and I could be incorrect, the car was pretty far off the road. Okay. It's not like the, uh, that's from, I don't know if you know that. I thought I, my understanding, it was like in a field sort of like. Yeah, her car was. Yeah. I, yeah. I so if that's where she was, how, yeah. if you're driving on the road, unless you're the person that stopped and spoke to her, how would you have any idea from that far away? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't make any sense to me, but. Yeah, there's a lot of things I've been reading that just I'm, I'm trying to add it up, but mm. it, it's, oh, it's all over the place. Yeah. Um. Now, I know they found a few, a few months after that, they found uh, one of her credit cards um, near Whitehall Road. Does that ring any bells? Is there any significance of that area? Do you remember where? Because um, I did look online where Frank lived, and it was kind of, I know Whitehall Road is like an Elton. I don't okay. know if there's any to that area. Um, I wanted uh, to we ask. Used to, we did used to stop. I think that was like um, where we used to stop at that store, somewhere around there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. A big city. And from what I was told, yeah, she would stop somewhere around that area, Elk something. So it must have been that area. Did the police ever tell you about, you know, finding the credit card or anything? No, not me. No. Um, do you remember hearing about that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember okay. about hearing about somebody trying to use one of her credit cards at a Sears or something, trying to buy a television or something. Um, and then that other one that they found on the road. But that's all I really know about that. Now, the one from the Sears, there wasn't any sign kind of like surveillance or anything and i you know you, you got me there you would think you would think they would but even so 1987 yeah black and white and grainy and they, everybody probably looks the probably looks similar you know i'm sure yeah most, well, most surveillance from that time is from atms so if there wasn't even an atm in the store they might not i mean they might not have anything yeah yeah right do you know what they ever did with that credit card in particular no idea. No idea. If they kept the card, there could have been fingerprints on it, correct? Something. Sure, yeah. That would be reasonable. I don't know if they ever did anything with that. I'm, I mean, I don't know if you would know, but no, that just came to mind. Yeah, not a bad thought, but yeah, I have no idea if they, they still have that evidence or something. I have no clue. Okay. Um, they did say that her card was maxed out. Was it normal for your mom to spend that much? Again, I just know they were tight with money, so I don't know. You know, mm -hmm. she needed to buy something. No, I don't think it would be unreasonable for her to use a credit card if she was tight on cash. Right. Okay. Is there anything that you know or that 
you were told about this that maybe the public doesn't know? Well, I remember listening to the podcast and you were saying something about there was a suspected murder weapon in the car, something like that. And they wouldn't say what it was that I know it, it was a car jack in the trunk. And from what, what I was told is they tried to clean up the trunk too. They had like um, paper bags or cardboard or something spread out in there. Uh, so somebody's trying to clean up something in the trunk. Uh, which, again, I was kind of going over this in my mind, and I'm thinking about it. Well, if there's a, a car jack in the trunk that's bloody, and there's blood in the front path, uh, front driver area, how it didn't make any sense for me to what? So somebody stopped or somehow opened the trunk, got the car jack out, used that, and then put it back in the trunk, and there's no blood outside. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't know. It doesn't. It's really weird trying to figure out the uh, sequence of events, uh, how that would be, how that would work out. Again, I kind of think it was done somewhere else. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if the card Jack belonged to someone else. Like if she was stopped elsewhere and they used the, their own card Jack as a weapon, weapon and left it. Perhaps. The card that was disposed of. Yeah. That's logical. So I know it's been a very, very long time. Do you or does your family have any inclination of what they think could have happened? My grandma was insistent that it was Frank Brown. But when I I talked to the uh, Maryland State Police, they came up to visit me. This is probably uh, a decade or so ago now. But they came up and they said... They said that they believe there were two main suspects that they think were working together. Uh, and shortly after that that happened, they both moved out of the state, moved down to like the Carolinas or something like that. But they said they have both since passed away. And they never said who they were or nothing, so I have no idea. Did they give any indication of why they were suspects? Like what made them connect? Yeah, I don't people? know what the motivation would be. I don't know. It doesn't make much sense if it was to rob somebody. I don't or, or yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Right. Well, I would think if it was if it was robbery, they would be taking those expensive items of jewelry. Correct. Right. Yeah. So I'm saying yeah. it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I also feel confused by that because, like, why take the time to come speak with you and let you know that they think X, Y, and Z might have happened, and not give you and if the, especially if those people are dead deceased mm-hmm. at that time like what you know more just about like what they think right about the connection between them even if they never named the people but said we you know we found this and it, we feel you know they were in the area or whatever yeah, they, didn't, they didn't want to disclose very much to me i don't know to keep the integrity of the case i, I don't know right right but it just seems silly if they're already passed and and it's been so many years and i agree but i can't force it out of them i don't know you know i only know what they're willing to share with me which wasn't much honestly other than that have you ever been updated by any law enforcement or when you reach out to them for any reason like have you done that and has there been any kind of response or acknowledgement not lately i haven't heard from anybody since then and i haven't really reached out and again i don't 
Oh, nobody's actively working on it. So unless something happens to fall in their lap, I don't anticipate them doing anything, anything more. I just can't imagine. I feel like there's just so many pieces here that, you know, a fresh set of eyes would just, you know, relook over everything. I just, there's just so many moving pieces. I just can't see how someone is not actively working with it. It, just, it doesn't make any sense to me. I uh, know. Yeah, I don't want to get Vicky upset, but I know she did say something about talking to someone. This was many years ago now, but inquired about the case to see what was going on, if there's anything new. And they basically told her, like, look, we have a lot of other priorities right now. You know, I think she did kind of mention something about yeah. that. Class. Yeah. Yeah. She wasn't yeah. very happy with that, which understandably. <laughs> no, right, because this is your family member and it's your priority, you know, just to hear somebody be dismissive of that is horrible. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. There's plenty of other things they could have said in that moment. And they chose that response that just seems, you know, like Shannon said earlier, you know, people could be kind. I know they have a job to do and they, you know, they do fine, but a little kindness goes a long way. Yeah. Um, it's it's difficult to expect any kind of um, it's, it's difficult to expect them to do anything in the future if they're currently saying, look, it's just it's not a priority to us. I don't know why any person would expect them to to do anything else going forward if they're not concerned about it at all. So I don't. Right. Yeah. And we're not in any position to put any kind of pressure on them to do anything. You know, right at their mercy and their willingness, and um, and uh, their limited resources basically because they only have so much time and so much manpower and stuff. So, I, mean, I get right. it. You know, I was just dealing with the state police here. I had a vehicle title that was uh flipped out of my name unknowingly. That's a whole other thing, but I, I was talking to the state state uh, off, uh, trooper about that, and he handles all that stuff. And he's just like, honestly, he's like, I just don't have it. He's like, it's just me. And he's like, I'm dealing with three or four counties of auto theft and fraud and stuff like that. And he's like, I just don't have the time right. to go through the case, you know. So I'm like, okay, it's discouraging, and it's hard to deal with law enforcement when every t- it seems like every time you interact with them, they're just like, eh, we just don't have, we just can't help you. It's just confusing because it seems like a lot of like they have such a large budget in comparison to other, you know, education or this and that. Like, so it's like, then why? Right. Like, what are you using the resources for that we can't have enough officers to deal with what is going on currently, let alone stuff that is, you know, older and still needs justice? Yeah. If there's anybody that has a. the ability to have an unlimited budget it's the state oh yeah <laughs> yeah so i don't know i don't i don't know your guess is as good as mine there i don't know why because i said hey if you need more people i'll come work for you <laughs> you know but it, do, it just doesn't work like that you know um, is there anything else you wanted to share about um your mother or what happened or anything else that comes to your mind uh, I just know she had a really great reputation. A lot of people I talked to that went to high school with her or worked with her, everybody has 
positive things to say. I've never heard anybody say anything to, anything bad about her. She's always this. She's always uh, she was a socialite. She liked to be around people, and she just like she liked to have a lot of friends and very positive, kind of happy go lucky. And that's so nice to hear. I am glad that you have some memories. I'm glad that you have pictures. And you, I mean, like you said, you had that, the pottery and the art, and it's, it's nice that you get to have some of these things to remember her by. Um, I know there's not much in the way of, you know, happiness in this whole mess, but Mm -hmm. look at the brighter side, at least you have some memories. Mm -hmm. Certainly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's nice to have some of that stuff. Like I said, my grandfather's kind of—he's—he's he's cleaning out a bunch of stuff. So he had a bunch of her, her painting and artwork and stuff. And he's like, "Hey, do you want any of this? If not, I'm going to get rid of it." Rather you not get rid of it, <laughs> I, I don't know what to do with it all. But it seems—it seems sinful to just kind of just discard it. Right. I don't know. And even Vicky said she has so much stuff. She's like, I can't, can't take more stuff. I really know where else to put it. Just doesn't seem right to throw it away. But even memories of her items or even photos of them. And then you can, you know, pass those photos on and keep them forever. Yeah. You know, I've seen that with like children's artwork. Like your kids make so much stuff. You can't keep every piece of paper. But, you know, now people are taking pictures and holding on to those pictures on their computer or their phone. And then it's like you get to you get to keep that forever. You know, True. without it getting damaged or taking up space that you don't have, or yeah, um, digital copies, sure, yeah, yeah, that's probably that's probably a good idea. I don't know. I'm not I'm not a kind of person that likes to hold on to stuff. I've always been easy to yeah. get rid of it. Try not to put too much value on stuff unless it's there's some like stuff that. that's just sentimental. Yeah. Um, but even so, like I hate to take the stuff and just hang on to it. Can't display it all. I mean, I guess you could, but it would look a little nuts. <laughs> we really appreciate you talking to us. And if there's anything else you want us to know about her, about or you know, what kind of mom she was, or what she was like as a teenager, was she given your grandparents a, a chaotic ruckus, or was she, you know, uh. Yeah, from what I know, she what, what they said, she was always uh, well-behaved. She was a good girl, and she liked that fun. And I know uh, stories of them ice skating and stuff like that and whatever, you know, but I wish I could tell you more. <laughs> What's the age difference between Vicky and your mother? Do you know? My mother was older, uh, I don't know, a handful of years. I don't know exactly. Okay. Were they close growing up, do you know? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she could obviously she'd tell you a lot more <laughs> than I could about her. I'm sure she has some wonderful memories. Yep. Uh, I, I appreciate you guys taking the time to look into it. You know, um, I know we contacted well, Vic, uh, Vicky contacted a uh, news reporter trying to do a story about it, and uh, she just didn't seem very interested. Once I got involved and I talked to her and she said, well, I'd like to get together. We can get together, you know, 
tomorrow or something at like one o'clock and whatever. And I was like, okay, well, what, you know, what, what would you like to know or whatever? She's like, well, I don't, I don't have any questions. It's just whatever you want to, I mean, I'm like, there's a lot, like, if you're not prepared, I, I was like, I don't want to do it. If you're not interested, if you right. can't take five minutes to sit down and wonder or come up with an idea of what you'd like to know, I don't, I don't know. I was like, maybe we could go over all this stuff for a, a long period of time, but she just didn't seem too interested in it. So I just said, forget it. Well, so, I think that a lot of the difference too, because if you're not interested, then what work are you going to put in to, you know, get this out here and maybe, you know, maybe generate something. If you're not interested, it's, you're going to what have that interview and then that's probably it. You know, it just yeah, seems. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just going to bring camera, set it up and you say whatever you want to say. And I don't really have any questions. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was like. This isn't. Uh... Well, and in reality, like it may, it may not generate anything, but we at least hope that people understand that there were things that could have been done differently, that this doesn't happen to someone else or, you know, just about your mom and like the effects that having something like this happen in your family has over time. And it's just, it's, it's so important to just remember too, that like this person lost their life and they're important and they are loved. And just because like the police forget or, or whoever the news articles, it doesn't mean that their family does because- right. They were so important to you and that should make it feel important to others too. That Yeah. No, I, I did go online. This is a while back, but I went online, uh, some online articles about it or something like that. And people left comments. And I remember somebody saying, Oh, this happened so long ago. Like, why does the family just get over it? <laughs> wow. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. But I guess They're, those people are lucky that they've never had to experience anything to this magnitude right. they yeah. don't understand which doesn't mean they shouldn't try to sympathize or empathize but i know not everybody has good relationships with their their mother um mm-hmm. you know but i remember uh a couple times you know people complaining about oh my mom this my mom that and i said well just be grateful you have one yeah mm-hmm. so nobody's perfect but you have an opportunity i did but i was blessed that her parents took care of me. They gave me a good childhood. They did a hell of a job. They really did. That's so nice to hear. So I guess there's a silver lining. I don't know. You know, but I, I don't know. I tried to put some kind of positive twist on it. But yeah, they they really provided me a really great childhood. And my dad was always there. I saw mm-hmm. my dad. So it wasn't like he just kind of disappeared. He's been, always been in my life. And so I'm blessed. It took me until uh, I was older to realize how good they really took care of me because they were dealing with it. Man, I don't know how they how they kept themselves together and raised me on top of it. I can't imagine how difficult that could have been for them. I'm sure for them, it was also bittersweet. I'm sure in a lot of ways that you reminded them of your mom. Yeah. And so I'm sure that was hard, but I'm sure they also enjoyed that in a lot of ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got to kind of she got to kind of live on with them through me. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they they sacrificed a lot more than I even realized. <sighs> but sorry, I try not to get too emotional, and usually I maintain my composure. But don't be sorry. This is emotional. 
I think that was mostly all the questions. Um, but if you think of anything else that you forgot or just anything, we're happy to. All right. Yeah, I know I have some uh, uh, journals and stuff my grandmother wrote. I haven't really read through them. Yeah. I've, I've scanned through a little bit, read a sentence here or there, but man, that's. And a lot of it is, is stuff um, afterwards. So it's not really relevant to the case, but it's just stuff, you know, like she would write that because they went through custody battles with my father and his parents for a little while. Uh, my father tried raising me for a little bit, um, which he realized it was a little too much uh, for him by himself. And then he let his, uh, my grandparents, his parents raise me for a little while, but they were older than my mom's parents. And it was more on them than what they anticipated. So eventually, well, pardon me. Yeah, I ended up with Tom and Mary Grace, and gratefully so. Yeah, and so I'm sure that's a lot to try to to try to read and understand and process. Yeah, yeah. She would write. She would record stuff. You know, Tony went with his father for the weekend and came back, and he said this or this. You know, Mike said this or whatever. You know, she recorded all that stuff. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything else that that I find that I think would be helpful. I'll, I'll let you guys know, um, but I appreciate you taking the time uh, to go over the case again. Keep it our yeah. Absolutely. We appreciate your time and you being so open with us. Um, we really appreciate that. Sure. Yeah. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you guys. Thank you. That's all we have for this episode of the Keystone Cold Cases podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and please consider leaving us a review wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to find out more about us, the pod, and the cases we cover, or want to suggest a case, please visit us at kccpod.com or send us an email at keystonecoldcases at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Keystone Cold Cases and on Instagram and TikTok at KCCPod. Please remember never to reach out to family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any tips. This episode was researched and hosted by me, Janiel. Find all of our sources, social info, and contact information at kccpod.com. Theme music by Darren Makins. Production assistance by Shan. Join us again next week for another case to sleuth out.